0: Welcome everybody to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Liam Patterson, who is the founder and CEO of Vidnamic. This is the fourth company he's founded. Absolutely amazing entrepreneurial journey and is blowing up, actually bootstrapped for the first four years and then just took on VC funding. He tells us why, tells us how to leverage AI in your business, and is doing some amazing things in the e-commerce Slash marketing space. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and i have a very special guest with me today. I have Liam Patterson. Liam is the founder and CEO of Binamic. Uh, He's done some really cool things, man. This is actually the fourth company he's founded. Uh, Basically, Banamic is a marketing tech platform that helps retailers unlock the full potential of Google Shopping. I have a feeling you're going to be blown away about what he talks about. Liam, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Great to be here. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. I love the pre-show prep. You're getting into some really cool things. Uh, didn't want to ruin it all by, by, by doing it all in the pre-show prep. So we just had to start recording. So <laughs> real quick, before we get into it, let's do a real quick revenue rundown. Where are you guys at in terms of the stage of your journey, in terms of your ARR?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're in the, in the kind of ten, tens of millions of, um, of ARR, um, Yeah, rapidly rapidly scaling up the business. We're going about five years, um, about 120, 130 staff, um, big focus on the US. Um, so yeah, we've got an office now uh, in Austin, Texas. So um, yeah, as well as leads in the United Kingdom nice. um, and, and our, our engineers are remote around, the, around, around Europe, predominantly around the UK.
0: Love that, man. So what's your primary go-to-market strategy in terms of revenue growth that you leverage?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's all actually been predominantly, it's been a lot of outbound. Um, so we've got a big outbound team. So by that, we mean um, email, LinkedIn, uh, and also uh, cold calling as well, just reaching out. And uh, we find that a lot of our, our, the companies we work with um, are, are easy for us to identify. They're on Google Shopping, so we can see that they're spending money, they're investing budget on on Google on Google Ads, um, and we we can we need know that they they're probably unaware that there is uh, technologies AI technologies built specifically for Google Shopping, specifically for optimizing that journey and maximizing that budget. Um, so so yeah, we find it pretty powerful to to get in front of them through uh, through outbound is one of the key routes. Uh, that we do that. Some of the other routes are also events, so we have a big presence at all the all the major events. Whether that's Shop Talk in Vegas, whether that's uh, ETEL West or, or ETEL East, so uh, in Palm Springs or Boston, uh, whether that's Chicago, uh, and of course all around the the UK and Europe as well. So we, we pretty much go to all the all the events. Have a really uh, good network there of, of again getting in front of and, and raising awareness to uh, to e commerce brands and and um, marketing decision makers. And also inbound has grown as a, as still a a small go-to-market channel for us, but it is growing as, as we're getting more recognized in the market and, uh, you know, building our SEO positions as well as our paid search positions as well.
0: Love that. Uh, all right. So let's talk about your solution. Can you, and I know you kind of touched upon it a little bit with, with what you do. Can you touch upon uh, a little bit deeper, just what exactly it does, who it serves and how it works in like a verbal paragraph?
1: Sure, absolutely. So um, we're specialists at Google Shopping, which is uh, an e-commerce only ad format. So naturally we work with e-commerce retailers, people have physical products, they're trying to sell online. Um, Google Shopping, if you've, you've seen it yourself, is a carousel of adverts. So when you're looking on, on Google for an e-commerce product, let's say uh, Nike uh, sneakers, you'll see this carousel of adverts come, typically five uh, product images right at the top of of Google search. So there's a little image, the price, the website uh, who's advertising that, and uh, it's free to show up. And when you click on it, um, it's gonna be a cost. And that cost can go from anywhere from one or two cents to one or $200 for a single click. So our technology works out and optimizes exactly how much should they pay. Should it be a few cents or should it be hundreds of dollars? And we do that through uh, scientific uh, insights and learnings and data, uh, which allows us to get really, really smart about how we calculate that bid price, uh, that price to pay for that click from that exact customer on that exact product on that exact search term.
0: Love that, man. Love the, the precision. How about like? Are, are you guys bootstrapped or funded?
1: So we we bootstrapped the business um, on, on our own revenues up and up until about uh, nine months ago. So for about four four years, we we bootstrapped the company. Um, we had some angel funding. So our, our, our story is a little bit interesting. Actually, we actually um, took around half a million into our own e-commerce marketplace. Um, some big names, so Chris Forrest, who's on the board of Netaporter huge marketplace here in, in luxury fashion uh, um, yeah a whole whole host of big name investors um, Marion Mayer who co-founded booking.com massive travel website and uh, again we, we we got some great angel investors on board built an e-commerce marketplace got un- unhealthily addicted to uh, to Google shopping as a revenue channel for that business and, and ended up being uh, as we're tech tech driven uh, business we, we end up creating our own technology. So about um, so several years into that journey, um, our founder, our investors actually said, hey, could you use your, this tech on our portfolio of companies? And we uh, reluctantly said yes, again, eventually gave in and uh, and they were the first clients. So The first mm-hmm. 10, 15 clients were, were referrals. They were referrals from our investors, from those early customers to their networks of founders. And, uh, and just got rapid adoption, really, really actually surprised us the the level of growth and, and um, improvements of profitability that we unlocked for those retailers. And then that that led us to, to double down on the technology uh, and it became the, the core and only business we have today. Um, and then about nine months ago, uh, we took our first uh, venture capital investment. So um, from a, a fund here called Gresham House Ventures um, of, of uh, $5 million or £4 million. Uh, investment into the business.
0: So, why did you do that? Like, you, you, things were humming, you were you were killing it, and then, not that there's anything wrong with it, but we'd just love to hear like why you decided to make the shift from bootstrapping for four years and then taking on the funding.
1: Yeah exactly so I think it was really there was kind of a few kind of things one was the US market we knew we already had great adoption from customers massive evangelists so uh, whenever we do a trade show and we we're already doing quite a few in the US um you know we we always bring customers with us and they really help to evangelize the product and and also it's cool to hang out with with customers as well mm-hmm. clients and um and and so that was kind of part of it was we knew there was huge demand from the US market we knew we had to make this bet to open the office in Austin, Austin, Texas, uh, scale that local team up. Um, and that was going to take a bit more capital um, than just the the kind of cash reserves we had just from, from profitably trading uh, the business and scaling the business. And the second one was on technology. We could, you know, there was a, been, there has been a lot of cost increases in terms of salaries within tech to get that top talent is hyper competitive um, and to retain that top talent. And we knew that we and had great talent and we had a great roadmap of products. So we knew there was other products we wanted to bring to market. So that was really for, for R&D and, and the US expansion as well.
0: Wow. Okay. So that makes sense. Totally makes sense there. Uh, I guess like, you know, I, I didn't think about this until we were talking about in the pre-show. I didn't really think about it until we started going, but like, obviously there's a, a lot happening in the space of AI specifically with Google. Like how is AI affecting the ad space in Google from your perspective.
1: Yeah, so right now we've not actually seen any any change. Really? Uh, if I'm totally honest, wow. um, we also do 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 um, Bing. We do Bing advertising. So uh, in terms of the um, you know the Chat Jupiter piece, we, we you know we've actually seen a lot of interest from from advertisers who before would see okay, Bing it's you know a single digit percentage for for, for the vast majority of of, uh, of retailers. So you know there'll be interest in, in us running that, but it'd be pretty small. Now there's definitely been a, a shift of You'll think actually, yeah, there's there's growing demand, there's growing opportunity to capture those uh, those clicks and that revenue through uh, through Microsoft Bing's uh, platform. However, in terms of even Bing, it's not actually changed in terms of the uh, you know the way they monetize, the way they run their ads campaigns, and we've not seen any real impact on. On the uh, on the channel and their performance either. So in terms of how search is changing, I think it will change a lot in the future. Uh, but actually, right now we've not seen that shift even in the heartland of, of Microsoft Bing.
0: Wow are you seeing Are you seeing any impact in terms of traffic at all?
1: No, not 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 at all. no really. No. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. That's that kind of surprises me. You know. Um, yeah. So okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. So how how is that? How is AI affecting your business? Right? Like, I would love to hear that.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Because you seem
0: very dialed in with like, hyper specific details. So uh, we'd love to get your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think the whole AI area is fascinating. So we've got um, numerous PhDs in our business, n- numerous machine learning engineers. So there's kind of one part which is how we uh, utilise and, and embed AI into our own products, um, which is which is all around the search terms that we're buying, how we're um, analyzing those the profitability how we're doing there all this complex lifting around um around understanding semantics and search patterns and uh, and uh, and other trends as well so there's all that kind of running internally and there's also then how we're using existing Kind of you know how we're embedding so we kind of have a work on okr um, system so objectives and key results and one of our, our objectives across the business across all departments is let's embed and let's utilize existing AI tools whether that's chat Jupiter for content creation for SEO, whether for sales, you know, um, let's really look at how we can embed these and get more tech driven and more data driven in terms of those, uh, those methodologies for other parts of the business, which aren't in uh, an R&D.
0: Okay. I love that. Any, any awesome use cases that you love on the, uh, the non R&D side or the non-product side?
1: Yeah so I think um, I think like um chat jupiter is just phenomenal so just uh, you know using that for uh, looking at you know when we come up with kind of email uh, outreach scripts putting them through bouncing them through, getting a few iterations, you know, how can we make it shorter? How can we make it longer? Um, getting feedback, you know, do this in the style of Sandler, which is a Sandler sales system or other sales systems. and kind of just re rejigging those ideas, seeing, you know, seeing what jibes. So it's great for um, idea generation. So you can suddenly take a really, you know, we often have a a, a whiteboard session uh, talking about a new product or a product and how we position that. And then we put it through that and we get another 10 ideas and you know, seven or eight aren't that strong, but a couple are really strong, and we just uh, integrate that into how we how we do that. Um, so yeah, really, really powerful. Also, in terms of some of the automations around LinkedIn, can be quite time intensive. So again, if with ways we can automate um, automate those kind of things, and that's super useful as well. So um, yeah, it's been been some interesting spaces around that um, for the, for the outbound side of things. But equally, you know, you can't. I think it's it's great, but it's also up there to elevate the team to elevate the human so you know if there's mundane time intensive repetitive tasks like we just have to be smart we have to use ai we have to use automation to, to save us doing those things and instead we have to elevate us to be in that creative way where we're leading the strategy and not being uh you know not being just you know cranking widgets basically
0: yeah no i think that's great man So what would you say, like, because you've done this, you know, this is your fourth time, right? So um, all different kind of iterations and variations of of what you're doing. What would you say is that your single best strategy and then ideally give us anywhere from three to five tactics behind it that you would use for growing a business?
1: Yeah, interesting. So um, I think it depends on on what exact sector it is. So I would say um, in terms of strategies, I, I think that outbound has a terrible reputation, you know, oh, you know cold calling, e- cold emailing, like this, this is, you know, this is a, a dirty tactic. But actually, I think in the early days, when you're bootstrapping, if you've got a great product, you know, where do you want to put your money into pay-per-click when no one's searching for what you're doing, you know, or actually, do you want to pick up the phone and you know, have a conversation with someone who could be an end user, hear those objections. This is why I wouldn't be interested. This is what I'm really using. It allows you to have that human to human dialogue of like, okay, why wouldn't you like this? What other solutions are you doing? What? How are you solving that problem? And I think in terms of the early stages, that bootstrapping early stage of the business really helps you dial in on like, what the real problem is. Whereas I think often, uh, and I've got a lot of friends who started businesses as well, or, or grown companies, you know, they can spend so long on a PowerPoint presentation or a deck or a pitch material, and they're just on their own. They're just ruminating about what they think their customers doing, how they think their customers are trying to solve the problem rather than pick up the phone and speak to them and actually get told, you know, they have no interest and, you know, um, you know, or, or obviously they are interested and that's, that's even better. So I think in the early stages of business, I think outbound is so powerful. Um, and then, you know, there's the techniques of, of, of doing that are just, you know, add value, you know, don't, don't pick up the phone and try to, uh, try to pitch somebody, you know, it's not an elevator pitch where you're just trying to for one-sided force information, you know, get, do an advertorial down, down the phone. It's like, actually have a, have a conversation, you know, Hey, I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to learn if you have these problems and genuinely how you've solved them, because we're trying to solve those problems and we're speaking to businesses who have those same problems and are trying to solve them together as well. And then look to add value. So in terms of techniques, um, you know, as we've grown, as we've gone from the low tens of clients to to now hundreds and hundreds of clients uh, around the world, we're able to now have a level of data, which we can use to add value. So add value to at the early early stage of, of the you know the nurturing. So on those calls, we can say, hey, look, you know, I don't want to pitch you, but can I send you a white paper? Can I send you a report? Can I send you... And, it, and as we get bigger, we're able to go into more verticals and more niches. So let me tell you how similar size fashion e-commerce businesses with the problem you've just told me have, have actually overcome that or why they've not been able to overcome it, you know, why it's still a problem for them today. Can I send that through to you and just nurture that relationship? So I think like content, white papers, um, indexes and reports, which highlight metrics, which are going to be of, of interest to that bit person, uh, you know, it's like adding value rather than just trying to look for value. I think that's a really important um, kind of technique to use. Um, and whether that's, you know, through through email or through cold calling or through LinkedIn um, or, or even through gated content, uh, I think it's so, so powerful to to have that. Um, and then I suppose uh, the the final one maybe from my side would be around using our customers. Uh, you know, you mentioned in the pre-show about driving referrals. And I think that's something we've done and it amazes me that so many companies don't do it. So firstly, we we have over 50 plus case studies on the website, but they all have the lo- the company's name, the individual, and a quote from them, and their full name and their position, and the visibility of all the metrics, if they year over year, month over month, year on, you know all the insights behind it, even if they're just percentage growth, not you know dollars of profit and confidential information. And I think that's another thing. You know, so often we look at our uh, you know people in our sector, and they're just saying a fashion business, you know, no insights because they're almost. Seems like always worried about their, you know, someone could contact their customers. Whereas it's like, no, like be transparent and actually get your customers to elevate it. So again, the, the trade shows, the events we go to, uh, the round, we're often hosting roundtables or panel discussions, and it'll be um, some of our team surrounded by our clients, and they, and then you know yourself. If you imagine you're a retailer, you're actually hearing directly from a, a true customer who's actually had the same problem that they they've probably got and they've used it, overcome it. Um, you know, and it's just true and authentic rather than, um, I think, you know, people aren't leveraging the voice of their customer, getting their customer out there. And I'm not sure if it's fear or like, you know, um, I was chatting to someone recently and they're like, oh, you know, you should never, you know, always keep your customers secret. You know, and I think it's like certainly in England anyway, I think there's that kind of old school mentality, whereas actually it's, it's the opposite, right? Get your, get your customers out there, use them as your evangelists to, to drive that credibility and authenticity.
0: Yeah, I think that's I mean, you know, that that's it's a really good use case when you have your customers doing your selling for you, I, I think um, makes it so much simpler. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Have you have you integrated that referral process into like your quarterly reviews at all? Have you done anything like that?
1: so we, we've not really actually I think there's probably um, you know probably loads of scope for, for how we can scale that up so we've um, yeah we're we've just kind of in in terms of um, that side of things we, we're not really um, driven um, economically uh, on how to do that particularly um, but yeah I think uh, I think there's probably a lot of untapped potential there uh, yeah. for sure
0: yeah it's, it's funny because like like so I think you nailed it when you're like 95% of people are not 90% but so many people just walk right by it It's the same thing with like reviews. You have, you have folks that are spending, I don't know, it could, it could range, right. It could be $20,000, dollars it could be a hundred thousand dollars, but there's, there's basically relationships and trust that had to happen in order for them to continuously pay you, especially over a longer period of time. And so um, it's kind of like the equivalent I, I give it on the the pipeline side. It's kind of like the equivalent of like, of basically getting a customer, but then not trying to, you know, Cross sell, expansion, sell, or anything to it—just yeah. like forgetting about it, right? It's like so. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of folks are going to move towards that more because the marketplace is so bombarded, and you know, as you're seeing the number of tech tools that are coming out is just exponentially increasing every day. With how democratized AI has made things, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um,
0: so what what would you say is like so, Liam? Like when you're we're looking, obviously, I you know I love the the details you gave with a lot of passion everywhere from outbound to events how would you uh, what would you say is your single biggest challenge growing the business though right
1: now with where you're at yeah so i'd say it's actually on almost the point you were just making there which is the expansion so we have a really core product you know we're almost a one one product business really in terms of google shopping this channel we've Solve the problem for ourselves, and then kept you know iterating and finding those little one percent dials that we can we can twist through technology, through automation, through experience um, to gain those little incremental components. But that is the core product. So I think where we've where we've struggled is when you're landing a customer. How do you expand it? And uh, our kind of expansion as a business is that co- company goes international, so they ha- or they have multiple logos. So we've had companies that have gone off and acquired many other businesses um, due- uh, as part of their growth strategies, and naturally that's great because we can get you know we can work with those partners and those new logos. They might go from the uh, you know the UK to America or vice versa, and that's an expansion for us. But until, until relatively recently, we didn't really have a suite of, of additional products. Uh, so um, what we've, we've been able to add is you know it's, it's Bing, uh, we just kind of touched on, search ads, but still they're pretty incremental. They're kind of, you know, they're, very, uh, ele- they're small elements and um, we've now been able to uh, bring to, get to market a new product, which is a new real core offering as well. So I think that's, um, that's really exciting to be able to kind of then genuinely have something that every business should have. Um, because even with Bing and Search, they're, you know, they're only for a certain type of business who's looking to really scale up and has already maxed out the the revenue and profitability they can unlock within Google and uh, Google space, within Google shopping. So
0: excellent ma'am. So if you could have like knowing what you know about ChatGPT and, and everything now, like what's the one what's the one solution in your revenue growth process you would you would love to see chat gpt be able to do
1: yeah in terms of the um in terms of our revenue process um i suppose um yeah, where would I? How would I love to see that evolve? I suppose like conversational AI would be would be super cool. So where it could start to reply to emails, um, you know, if it's indexed all our own information around, you know, the the way that we sell all our proprietary kind of information in terms of FAQs, in terms of um, you know the ways we integrate things, so we could answer technical questions as well as um, you know human questions. So I think that would be super cool to elevate our team to then be on video calls and, and, you know, in-person uh, relationships as opposed to the, the email back and forth, which can happen in terms of, you know, someone asking a technical question or, or asking, you know, a sales related question um, where again, it, that information is out there. There is a kind of perfect answer that could be could be uh, delivered and sent uh, and that would just speed it up, right? Um, I'd like to think we, we, we get there in terms of sending it, but it's probably a delay in terms of the amount of time it takes people to write it, to send it, um and the back and forth it can create so i think there's i think there's a space there in terms of really smart uh, conversational ai uh, and again that's not just email but through through uh, things like linkedin or live chat support uh, even slack would be pretty would be pretty awesome yeah
0: yeah no that that definitely makes sense I, I could there's a lot of use cases with that so what do you think about like the video and verbal aspect of it
1: yeah, in terms of the uh, so we we actually use a Gong am mm-hmm. so it's a pretty popular um, tool, and that's pretty amazing actually. So it it's um, sits on on calls like this on video calls, uh, and it just feeds back information in terms of talk time, talk percentages, overused words, um, you know, tonalities. So it really is a coach for for the individual uh, individual reps for client success um, to understand you know how are they what are their biases what are the, the words they're overusing what are the sayings um that are maybe not as not as you know a bit repetitive that are not as as um getting that desired effect and equally what are the things that are really working so that the rest of the team be that client success or or the sales team can start to use as well um and learn from as well so it adds that repeatability and, uh, and insights and automation to, uh, to that as well as accountability that the calls are recorded and can be shared with, with, um, with customers or prospects so that they can, you know, ping that over. If someone can't join a, join a call or presentation, they're able to have that as well to, to share, um, pre-sale or, or post as well. So yeah. it's quite, quite interesting. Yeah. Excellent,
0: man. All right, Liam. Well, unfortunately we're up on time man I, I love our conversation and, I love your approach in, in terms of how you handle things, how you're looking at it with the business. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about Bidnamic? And then we'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they can find uh, the, uh, Bidnamic.com, B-I-D-N-A-M-I-C.com. So that's for all things uh, Google Shopping. And also for myself personally, I'm on LinkedIn, which is Liam Patterson. Love it, man.
0: Well, thanks for being on the show. I enjoyed it. It was great having you on. That's been perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers. All right. And we will see you all on the next episode.
1: Thank you for checking out the Scale Up
0: Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering.